Hey guys, what's going on? It's Brennan Sweeney from Coach's Cradle Podcast. Today we have Nick O'Brien, the Assistant Director of Sports Performance and the Director of Sports Science for Jacksonville University. He works with men's lacrosse, men's soccer, and volleyball, but between you and me, I think men's lacrosse is his favorite. They are a hot team right now in Division I lacrosse since Nick has come to them in October. Nick has led them to a national ranking and upset over one of the Blue Bloods and Lacrosse Duke. And we talk about his experience dealing with men's lacrosse and how he has built those guys up to where they are now. We have a great episode with a St. Paddy's Day theme with Nick O'Brien on, a fellow Irishman. And so without further ado, here is Nick O'Brien. Well, I know your podcast is revolving around elite athletes, and that's really what this first question is about. Um, I'm sure you've interviewed a bunch of super interesting people, a bunch of high-level athletes. What have you learned or what have you taken from these high-level athletes and the conversations with each other that you take into training your own athletes and even, even your own training program? Is there inspiration that you get from talking with these people that turns into the weight room for your college athletes, or is it more or less just you're taking, you're taking for your own programming? Yeah. I mean, I'm taking a little bit from everything, every conversation I'm having. I mean, it could be former athletes, like current athletes, um, high level athletes, like novice ones. It doesn't matter. I think there's a learning opportunity that you're going to be able to get from anybody that you're really having a conversation with. Obviously, like it's nice to have the one conversations with some higher level athletes and maybe not even higher level, but just those with more years and more like skin in the game because they've been through the ringer. Like they understand like some of the pitfalls that you're going to see, some of the mistakes that you're going to come about. Elite level athletes that are like really the freak of the freaks are a little bit harder because you have to take what they're saying with a grain of salt. Yeah. Like, and, and I've heard I've heard some other people, I think Matt Vincent said it. He's like, I would never want Usain Bolt to be my coach. Absolutely. Because because yeah. imagine being him and him just saying, like, we'll run faster. He's not really going to break down the mechanics of your first step and everything because he is so good at his craft. He's at such a high level that there's such a disparity between a novice runner and then an elite level sprinter, like world caliber sprinter, like himself. So anytime you're talking to someone like that, you really just have to think about context and how it's going to apply to your situation or how you can kind of take bits and pieces of it and maybe tweak what you're doing or, or maybe kind of add a coaching cue or change a little bit of your program before you kind of give it to your athletes. So, I mean, anytime I'm talking to anybody like that or, having a conversation or even observing some of those athletes, you're able to take a ton away. And yeah, I, I use it for programming. I use it for coaching. I use it for my own training too. Um, it's just, it's constant like self-improvement and constant, like, like seeking, trying to little 1% changes here and there that are going to make the program better, going to make my coaching abilities better. And then ultimately all that stuff kind of, goes back into the athletes. Um, I'm, I'm someone that has always liked to train 
and ahead of time for what the athletes are doing. I'm not going to give them anything that I have not done before. Not to say that I'm going to keep doing that stuff because I still compete myself. So I'm not going to give them what I'm doing in my own program, but it's I'm never going to give them something I haven't done myself. So it gives me a good opportunity to make sure I'm testing things out. And then I can kind of make those tweaks before I give them to them, which already have a lot more stressors, a lot more stuff going on in a team setting. So it's really just, I'm kind of a catalyst for it, or just kind of someone that's going to sift through all that information from those conversations and be able to give my athletes, my teams, like a better product at the end of the day. Yeah. You essentially have to be the Guinea pig for, for the amount of stress that you're going to put on your athletes. You can't just volume dump them and then expect them to be okay. If you haven't experienced that yourself. Um, and then I, I'm, I'm sure that with the amount of elite level athletes that you talk to, there's this giant bandwidth for them that, you know, that will almost like anything would probably work. Um, the thing that they are choosing to do may not always be the most optimal. So I, I guess I would, I would ask, how do you tend to filter that information? If they're giving you their program, are you just saying to yourself, well, they're a natural freak. They're, they're going to get everything anyways. Then I have to, I have to really dilute this information. Yeah. I mean, sort I, of filtering it out. Well, yeah, you kind of, I think you hit the nail on the head. Like you said it optimal and I mean, any, any idiot off the street can make someone throw up and, and put together a program and write it on a whiteboard. I mean, it gets to be a lot more difficult when you get those high-level athletes that are very unique and need one specific stressor in a specific way. And I think, and I probably fell victim to it when I was a younger coach and probably still sometimes like people, you'll judge quickly like a program or what another team is doing, but you don't really know all the intricacies of what they're doing on a daily basis or what the specific athlete needs. I remember like when, uh, like when that LeBron James video came out of him, like squatting and shifting and oh, it was absolutely. so high and his yeah. legs were like 10 feet out to the side. It's like, there was no context to it. Like, yeah. No, no one knew specifically why he was doing it that way. They just chalked it up as he's a terrible squatter. And like, this is how basketball, all basketball level athletes train. So, I mean, I, I have even more respect when you get down to like, I have just as much respect for athletes or coaches who train novice level athletes, like high school ones where it's one to a hundred ratio, like athlete to coach. And you have to like, try to maneuver around puberty and giggles and 14 year old kids like coming for 50 minutes for PE as just as much as I have for someone that only does one-on-one performance training with an NFL athlete that has been in the league for 15 years and is trying to get a 16th one. And he just needs a specific thing to optimize his performance. So yeah, you really, you really just looking for what is the unique thing that makes them what they are, what do they need that their sport sometimes doesn't provide them? And then what is the most optimal way? What is the least possible way that I can implement that stress to them? Cause everything we're doing is stress mm-hmm. and do it in a way that enhances their performance and doesn't detract from what their innate qualities are going to be. That makes them a high level athlete. Cause that, that that's one thing that can definitely detract from athletes too is, 
if you there's it's always going to be a give and take if you try to add more strength to them are you going to take away like their right. god-given ability to like actually be explosive off the line and actually like dodge quickly whatever it is like are you going to take that away or are you going to enhance it in some way and that's why a lot of times when you get to them like less is more so being able to figure out have conversation with those athletes see exactly what they need what they excel at like what their deficiencies are and then try to balance all those things to give them the right program uh, i mean that that's that's really where it comes into the art part yeah and you would expect i guess at the college level <clears throat> to get all these stud athletes and then they come in freshman year and you're talking to them and they're like oh i haven't lifted ever and you're like holy hell are you kidding me and so i'm sure yeah. that like in you know internally they probably are elite athletes but they just haven't been trained like it ever um, so there's probably a learning curve at the, at the beginning of your relationship with them. And even talking about relationships, you've been around a couple of different schools. And I think it's a goal for most strength coaches to, to be remembered in some way when you, when you leave a mark, let's say at a program, how have you tried to forward that relationship and, and build that relationship to where you, you want to create those lasting, um, moments with these athletes? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I don't think I'm innately trying to do anything. Cause I think when you mm -hmm. start focusing on that, like your impact kind of does the exact opposite. Yeah. I, I know what my job is. I know what I've been like hired to do. And like, I, I love coaching. I, I enjoy hanging out with the athletes. I enjoy like getting training sessions and stuff done. And I think that that respect or, that knowledge that they understand that I did what was best for them is probably going to be the most impactful thing. I mean, they're coming to school to graduate. Like, like as my old baseball coach said, it's degrees and rings. Like that's, that's the goal for them. Like along the way you're creating like long lasting memories, like being on the bus, like traveling, playing games, like hopefully like competing for championships, like graduating, all those things, like those are long lasting memories. So it'd be nice to be remembered as like someone that helped facilitate that or at least assisted them throughout the process. But I, it's not really something that like on a daily basis do or like think about. I, I more so want to make sure that I'm not the reason why they're going to be they're going to hate their experience. And I think that that's really just me coming prepared every day, me having like the same attitude and effort that I expect out of them and being prepared for those sessions. Cause it's, it's something that is there. Like, I know it's a privilege for them to play, but it's my right. It's my responsibility as a coach to be able to provide them that environment, that setting um, the best programming, the best coaching I can every session they come in because I mean, otherwise I'm doing a disservice to them. So, I mean, developing those relationships with them, building some trust, like, and that really just takes a lot of time, which is hard often in like the college setting, just because of all the rules that kind of get in place, but like being able to establish some rapport with them, learn about them more than just being an athlete. Cause I, I tell, I tell my lacrosse guys, like I care about, the first guy to the 60th guy, just the same. I don't care who plays. 
I don't care if you're injured for all four years. Like, I don't care if you're here for one year. It's like, I, I want the best for you. And if that's not it here, if that's not on the field, if that's not something that I can provide, then I'm willing to outsource that. The same with education and programming and stuff like that. If I don't know something, I'm going to tell you that I don't know it and be humble about it and go try to find something or find that answer for you. And, and I think that helps kind of develop that relationship a little bit better. And I hope that at the end of the day, like maybe when they kind of reflect or they come back as alumni or they come back with their family or, or they see me doing something and um, I'm at a different school or whatever it is that we can still like have a conversation and, and have one more now based off of what they're currently doing, because it's to, to me, it's a lot more than sports. Yeah. And it seems like you're almost giving them micro life lessons as they're coming in with just your own attitude and how you own act, how, how you act on your own, being authentic, showing up on time, being consistent with, with your attitude and just instilling hard work in them. And so I think that's probably, I guess, more important than trying to give them a come to Jesus talk every single time they come in the weight room. I, I see, I see a good bit of that. And it makes me cringe a little bit because these kids are probably 30 seconds in just like on their phones, like not even listening or paying attention. Um, so I'm, I'm glad to hear that you're just basically being yourself and whatever happens, happens. Um, oh, yeah. And then we had talked about your lacrosse guys in terms of in season work. I know we had been talking about earlier. You're, you're happy that the Saturday games are rolling in. You don't have any more midweek games or not a lot of them. How did you sort of balance the CNS load throughout the week when we have this up and down throughout games and in the middle of the week and on the weekends? I know you guys had a couple of Sunday games in there too. Yeah, we had a few, we had a pretty unique schedule. Obviously it's nice being the lacrosse capital of the South, but mm -hmm. that also means that you're traveling a great deal and right. you're going a little bit of everywhere and uh, pretty much everywhere we're going is going to be colder than yeah, where we currently are. So, I mean, for us, it's just, it really is, like you said, it's managing the training load and the intensity based off of our schedule. And it's the template and it's a framework that we kind of try to build. Yeah, we've had back-to-back -back games. We'll have one more back-to-back -back game. So like two and 24 hours. I think we had three, we had four games in seven days at one point when you kind of track it through and that was a, a rough, our February was pretty rough just with travel and everything too. And that's another stress that kind of gets added on that a lot of times that we forget. And um, I tell high school athletes the same thing too. Like when you come to college, it's like, it's different than going 10 miles down the road to your rival high school. It's like, we're going 10 States over to play someone else. Right. And you have to be back for school the next day, whatever it ends up being. So we, we try as much as possible. We have like constant conversations about what the schedule looks like. And, and I try to create a framework so that I can give the coaches of where kind of the best opportunities are for us to like tax, tax our bodies, like add volume, add intensity. And then the coaches kind of come back with their plan of, well, this is what we need to get out. This is what days we want to do film. This is what days we want to be like more conditioning focus. This is what days that like 
we want it to be like meat on meat, like we're, we're hitting all the time. So being able to like construct that and then be a little bit more fluid with that format is super helpful. So I guess specifically as it relates to like in season, like you said, Saturdays, it starts to look nicer because then we kind of get like a football schedule where it's, it's repeating on itself. So the guys get into a rhythm, but it is nice to kind of break up the monotony. So for us, we're always looking at what the last game was and what the next one is, and then find the balance between the two. So we have our framework kind of in mind, but just as, as important as for us to focus mentally, like on the next game at hand after review and kind of debrief everything from the previous game, it's like we still have to physically recover from the one we just played mm-hmm. and at the same time prepare for the next one. So that's kind of what like on a Saturday, Saturday model, it looks like on Sundays, it's based off of our high minute guys, our moderate like bench players, our low minute, like still travel, like reserve players. And then we have a fourth group, which is non-travel, red shirt, injured. So those Sunday, Monday, those guys are really kind of in those groups um, based off of when, how much they play, like their fatigue levels, any injuries or any like concerns that we have coming off that last game. So really the two days after where we can really kind of dive into their recovery. And then for the other guys, like the green guys or some of the yellow group is really that's their game days. Like that's when they actually get to play a little bit more. And we try to kind of top them off a little bit in case that they're actually going to be called up. If we have injuries and like the starters or some of our low minute guys, and we need to call them up one day, like they need to be prepared and redshirt injured guys, like their, their recovery process is a little bit longer out. So we can kind of tax them more because they're not really called upon too much at practice. So like that Sunday, Monday is really where we try to focus on balancing and kind of riding the ship. So within Saturday game day, close kind of into Sunday, Monday is where everybody is trying to do the equal amount of work, Mm -hmm, equal amount of intensity, equal amount of volume, just when you do it, how you do it is going to vary a little bit. And then Tuesdays are off day usually. And then Wednesday through is all preparing for Saturday. So our, our like high CNS days tend to be a little bit closer towards Wednesday, Thursday, and then we taper off slightly and then we're either traveling or we're home and we can kind of, fluctuate that um but monday mondays are our heavier strength day and the guys have kind of open-ended sets and and ranges for their percentages or for their rpes that they can kind of dictate what they're doing and i can set the parameters but based off how they feel coming off a game or if it's other guys like in the the last two groups they can kind of push the tempo a little bit more because they kind of know their role at this point in time and by Monday, Tuesday, we kind of have an idea of who's going to be going, who's going to be really called upon in the next game. So that's kind of how it for the grouping and for like the schedule looks like in season. And then obviously it's it's just an ever changing kind of process. If you throw a midweek game in there or if you throw in what we've got coming in a few weeks where we play another back to back game. And I think it's can't remember if it's it might be Sunday, Monday that just throws a wrench in everything. So being prepared for that and being okay to kind of have a plan in place, but be able to change on the fly. I think that's, that's paid huge dividends for us because we know what 
what would be the ideal plan if these guys were robots and everything went according to plan, but we can make the adjustments because we have a framework of a backup plan and then a backup to that backup plan for how these guys are handling the stress and how they're handling and what happens in the games too. Yeah. And I'm sure the athletes too, like that autonomy where you may not be able to tell if they're relatively sore or not. I mean, it could, I mean, it really just takes like one play in lacrosse to really get hurt. If some kid gets clocked, then no matter if they had five minutes in the game, they're going to wake up hurting. So having that autonomy where they get to select their intensity and tempo and pace, I'm sure the athletes appreciate the hell out of that. And yeah, having that flexible program where if anything happens, we can just throw in the medium medium CNS day or the low CNS day to prepare for the high CNS output that week. I'm sure the the athletes really appreciate that. And then we had even been talking about, I mean, we've said stress a lot today. And I think there's so many stressors that go into playing a college sport that you're just going to see injuries popping up out of nowhere. Where do you see a lot of your players struggling when it comes to injury? Um, and then what are some of your favorite tools to kind of mitigate some of that stress that they have? Yeah, I mean, for us, load management is huge. And I think um, kind of the last question we talked about, like managing the weekly schedule and then even more so kind of just from the macro level, when you start to open it up a little bit more and see what the whole in-season looks like and then even open up to a whole year or developmental cycle for an athlete in his career, like you start to see where your highs and lows are going to end up falling. So for us, it's once we get it down to like a day-to-day basis or even like drill to drill, like we're trying to find ways to best like balance it without tipping the scales and find a way for it to be optimal without it, like just completely exceeding what, it is on one day and then it ends up kind of flowing into the next day where we have to make more adjustments. So for us, like if as coaches, we can kind of manage the program a little bit more, I think that plays a huge part into the recovery process. Obviously there's things that are going to be way out of our control, like games that go into overtime, like uh, all the games, like the the last few weeks, like with the winter storm coming through and delaying flights and stuff like that, there's going to be a lot of things that, end up being out of like our immediate control, but there's a lot of stuff that we can proactively do to kind of manage those puzzle pieces rather than just always being reactive. So if if we're not planning ahead, if we don't have an understanding of what a drill is going to do, what the purpose of a day, this training session is going to do, or like what the intensity is and what the volume is on that day, and we're not measuring it, then we're kind of just guessing at that point. So if we can be more proactive and understand that properly planned practices go hand in hand with their recovery, then, right. then we're in a better place. So like for us, like we, we have a bunch of recovery tools. I mean, probably similar to just everybody that has access to it. It's become kind of the hot button topic with like all the massage guns. Massage and guns yes. Yeah. I mean, soft tissue stuff, everything like, there there's a there's a gimmick and there's a there's a toy for every need that you can have so i mean we have all those tools for the most part accessible for the athletes but i think if you're just the first one to grab one of those things or you're the first one to like go for a passive recovery 
like modality or you're, you're the first one to be on the table with the sports medicine staff and, and like ask for a massage, like you, you're missing the boat because there's a lot more things that are way more impactful than those. And it, it sucks to say, but like the big three ones, like hydration, nutrition, sleep, like th those are huge. So like for us as coaches, we can plan making sure that we end practice at a certain time. We start practice at a certain time so that even if they don't do it, we programmed it enough that they have the you ability to get the, the sleep. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So being able to do that. And I think that comes a lot of student and athlete like education. So not just preaching to them like that it's important, but also showing them that it's important and then providing those opportunities for them to get sleep or not be bogged down with dubious amounts of team activities and dumb shit all the time. Like let them be kids, let them go figure stuff out on their own that goes back into autonomy and having some ownership of the program. Um, but there's other things that like you can do to like aid in the recovery, like teaching them about like managing like the stressors of school, which is like social sports in school. Like there's only so much you can do in a day. Um, and then like just normal preparation mindset, like coming in with the right attitude. I think those things all play a huge part into it. So it's it sucks to say that like what most people would deem as a lot of the cop out ones that you put the ownership and the onus on the athletes to do it are the biggest recovery tools. Those are the biggest things that you can get the biggest bang for your buck that you're going to be able to get out of your athletes. And it's it's one thing to be able to say it, but if you can provide it, if you can educate them at the same time and like provide training tables like we try to, we're trying to get more of, if you can have like ready to drink protein shakes and like explain to them the importance of that nutrition immediately falling in a lift, you can explain to them the importance of hydration and like salt intake and have like, like Gatorade or anything like motive pure or whatever on the sideline. And you can show them that and they see the benefit themselves, then they're going to stay, take more pride in, in their recovery, in their preparation, in their day-to-day -day activities. Because as coaches, like especially college, you see them two hours a day, maybe. It's like, what are they doing with the other 22? Because there's a lot of things that they can do to prepare right. themselves. Right. But if, if you don't tell them that it's important, or if you only tell them, and you don't show them or they don't understand that it's important or you can't give them like even a sample or teaser as to why it's important. And this is a good, this is a good like carb resource right here. Like take it home with you. Then it's a lot harder for them to grasp that concept. And they think you're just preaching to them. Yeah. And, and luckily with those big three, I think the results are pretty instantaneous. The second you start to, get properly hydrated before lift or my favorite one is just once the athletes can get more sodium in their in their system before their lift they just see the immediate pump and they're like oh yeah wait this like makes sense okay i i see all my veins now that's cool um and then yeah one of my favorite injury mitigation tools is just reducing total volume i think a lot of lacrosse athletes especially get screwed over early in the season when the coaches just volume dump them and I don't know if you have any experience, but for some reason, older lacrosse coaches just love running miles before practice. And 
I, I've had like so many kids come in recently just saying I have shin splints, half my team has shin splints because we start off every morning with two miles. It's just like, yeah, no, that that makes sense. Well, there's not much I can do right now because you guys are just getting destroyed. Um, so, yeah, to your point, we've even touched on it earlier, just looking at the total picture in the week and just having some sort of tracer of mileage during the week can kind of reduce a lot of injuries, in my opinion. Um, early on in the season, especially. Um, and then, yeah, kids, college kids, I don't think will ever behave the way that that is perfect for, for their recovery and whatnot. So just doing your best to at least give them the resources, like you're saying, it's, it's their option. They can take it if they want to. And then maybe not using as much passive recovery to help them out. So in terms of training for the season, what do you think gets overemphasized? Maybe even by coaches, maybe it is just the long distance running, but what do you think gets overemphasized in the lacrosse space? And then what do you think is underrated in terms of training? Yeah, I think we kind of touched on a lot of them already. Like I think obviously the volume, the running, like uh, a lot of rotational stuff, especially for lacrosse, that is, I don't know if it's an infatuation with shot speed and uh, whatever it is. Like, I mean, obviously I've, I've talked to, I talked to a few players yesterday because like I played D mid and we argued, we argued for like 15 minutes. He's like, what's cooler, like scoring a goal or like hitting someone. And he's like, well, my name goes on the board. I was like, when I score, I was like, yeah, but my name goes on the board for a full minute. Like when I have an illegal body check. So I argue I'm on the board longer than you. Like you and we argue forever. Yeah, I know. And he, he didn't either. So he was like, all right, touche. But <clears throat> like thinking about those sort of things, like they, they're always going to do athletes are going to revert back to what they're good at or what they enjoy. So in lacrosse, like most of them don't enjoy running extra. Most of them don't enjoy doing some of the things that kind of take your time away from the field. So I think the coaching staff here helps me out a lot by reinforcing the fact that the weight room is part of our identity. It's important for the game. It's important for all our Jacksonville University, like men's across program in general. Every single athlete needs to do it. So they give me the autonomy to kind of do whatever I need to do. And I think it's starting to slowly kind of change the culture to the fact that I'm not going to just beat them up every single day. We're going to do some things they enjoy. We're going to do some things that they maybe don't, but they hopefully just like the sleep and all those recovery things, they see the impact of it. Um, I know they're going to do all those extra things on the field like shoot, but they're always going to do those things because that's what they feel is the most important thing, part of their game. So if I can find a way to kind of, balance all the other stuff and help them out, then it'll never really overcorrect or correct and balance out exactly what they're going to do and they're going to overuse. But I hope that it starts to show them that these things are important. So like for, for us, like, obviously, like we talked about the running volume and like kind of the extra rotational focus. I think the other thing that too kind of gets over specified at least pretty early on is just like position specific stuff. Mm-hmm. I think that a lot of, a lot of the players can still 
benefit from like goalies can benefit from still doing three direction, like multi-planar movements a lot more. Like you start to see it, like there's been a few goalie goals this year. There's been guys that are pretty elusive that can't get touched, like that are actually like speedy and quick around their crease and you still have to have some dexterity. So, I mean, those guys should still be involved in a lot of our like change of direction and like agility and, and like speed movements. Obviously they're not going to touch on like top end velocity, like some of the other guys might be able to get closer to, but it's not a bad tool in your toolbox to have, especially now that college, like college has a professional level. So to, in order to get there, like I can't, I can't see why not having more of those abilities doesn't make you a better athlete in general. And that's a lot of what strength and condition ends up being. Like, I'm not really trying to train better lacrosse athletes. I'm trying to train better athletes that can play lacrosse better. So those are kind of the big things that I see like overused and like, like underused and maybe underemphasized or just kind of like the core values. Like if creating the like right environment and, in the weight room on the field for our training sessions. Again, like the coaching staff helps me out a ton by preaching that preaching and showing and leading by example that this is part of our identity. This is the things that we need to do in order to be successful. And I think it's shown like by having success on the field and building trust more with the guys. I know, I know now all your questions start to like morph together, Yeah, but it's just because they're important. Um, and then the last like underrated thing that I would really say kind of we touched on the beginning is, is really just kind of giving more autonomy and kind of giving more program ownership. And I try to do that as much as possible to try to give that to the captains, the upperclassmen and the leaders. So they have more opportunities to kind of man the ship and because it's their team. I want them to take charge. They're the ones that are going to play on the field as much as like I missed the game and being a part of it. Like my role is different now. So if I'm always dictating what lifts look like, if I'm always like breaking them down at the end, or if I'm always leading the warm up, like I think I'm doing a disservice to them again. I want them to like take more ownership over it. I'm the expert in my side of it, but if I give them the parameters and I give them the direction and tell them what I want, I can give them feedback and I can coach them just the same. So that's kind of what I would say would be. And it's probably universal too. Like uh, when you look at other sports other than just lacrosse, like what is getting overemphasized and what's underrated in terms of training those teams. No, I mean, that makes complete sense. And I think it just benefits the athletes more and more, the more options you give them per se. If we have a bunch of tools that accomplish relatively the same thing. And we even said the word optimal last time, well, if an athlete's not giving 100%, then your optimal drill just turned dog shit, really. So if they like this one drill, maybe they want to train top speed off of chasing drills because they like to hunt each other. Might as well just give it them that because they're going to put forth the most effort. Um, and yeah, and I'm, and I'm glad to see guys like you that are changing a little bit of the landscape of, of lacrosse because I think we were stuck in the way of coaches control the running coaches control the conditioning and it's just been the same for years and years and years and you know you guys have a awesome coaching staff and I'm glad to see that you guys are having so much success and I don't think it is a 
a fluke that you coming in and instilling all this culture, at least matching culture with the guys that were already there, you guys are having so much success. And some of those blue bloods that are sticking to their roots are, are starting to slip up a little bit, so to speak. Um, maybe Duke in particular, y'all, y'all upset them pretty bad this year. Um, well, where do you, where do you want to see the sport kind of go where, or where do you see Jacksonville lacrosse coming into the, coming into the future? I mean, I, this is my first year, so I'm, I'm excited about the program. It's a, uh, we kind of talked a little bit before we got going, like it's, it's awesome to be part of a, a newer program. Obviously like there's a lot of tradition with some of the blue bloods and the ones that have been around forever, but I, I don't think that like success is a scarcity. And I think there's, I mean, I don't know all the rules for NCAA and I don't want to understand all that shit that they deal with, but to see the, to see the game grow more and see more teams like, consider adding or see like MCLA and like all those other, all the other club programs and stuff start to bump up and like hear all the whispers of more teams being added. Like, I think that's awesome for the game and, and to see like pro lacrosse still continue to grow and kind of go through some of the growing pains. Um, I think it's awesome. It, it gives all the players an avenue to continue to play the game. They love play box across, like have lessons, teach, um, coach, do whatever they want to. I think that's a great part of it. Um, for us, like I, I love, I love what we're doing and I want to keep the trajectory going in the right direction and, and again, facilitate it and assist in any part I can, I can do like, obviously you said it the right way, like matching culture, like I'm a conduit for what the coaching staff wants Jacksonville lacrosse to look like and what the culture of the program, they want to really instill those standards and we have those conversations about what I see as important in the weight room and like some of the keywords that I want to use. And most of those things are, are tied in with each other. So it's easy to kind of be an echo chamber and continue to take the things that are coming on the field and our standards and expectations and be able to repeat them and overemphasize them even more in the weight room. So for us, it's just, kind of business as usual, keep the guys right. going and uh, for the rest of this season and, and try to make a big push when we get to the SOCON tournament and, and leading into the NCAA tournament. But it's a, it's a great group of coaches. Uh, university has been supportive with the team and uh, I couldn't say anything more for the, the athletes They're They're kicking ass every single day. So it's, it's nice to see them um, kind of be rewarded for all the hard work they put in and, the job's not over. We're halfway through the season and the goal is not where we're at currently. And I think the guys aren't satisfied. The goal is to kind of set a precedence for JU and for the program and the future of the program. And that ends and culminates on Memorial Day weekend. So that's that's what we're pushing toward. And and that's uh, that's something in the back of our minds every single day. Yeah, man, you can't be surprised when the boat's going in the right direction if everyone's rowing in the same same way. So I'm glad to see that you guys are finally deservedly getting some national recognition. Well, where can the where can the people find you, Nick? And you got anything else to shout out? Yeah, I mean, um, if you, if anybody has any questions, they want to reach out uh, and talk some shop or anything. Um, my Instagram and Twitter is underscore n underscore ob. Um, 
<laughs> or find me on LinkedIn or my website is uh, coachobrien.com. You can uh, find my own podcast is there too, The Strength Game. It's on YouTube and pretty much every podcast platform. Same thing, talking talking to coaches, talking to those that are on both sides of the barbell that are actually competing and are coaching themselves. So if anybody's got any questions, feel free to reach out. Um, my email is on the Jacksonville website. Um, all my information's on there. Feel free to hit me up on any of those, but I appreciate you having me on today, man. It was, it was great to catch up and, uh, and talk some shop. Yeah, of course. If anyone has any questions, please reach out to Nick. He is a foremost authority in uh, the highest level of division one lacrosse at the moment. So reach out and give him a good old chat. All right. Thank you, Nick. Peace out.